Hello, and welcome to Minor Moment number 16. This is John Cumming, Editor-in-Chief of the Northern Miner. This is a bonus little uh, podcast, and what it is is Jay Godsall. He's the CEO of Solar Ship in Toronto, and they make airships for remote operations. And this was recorded at our Progressive Mind Forum in Toronto uh, in October at the Mars Discovery District. I'm not even sure if airships are a good idea or not, but I just love this uh, the chutzpah of this uh, sales pitch. So I'll just jump right into it here. My kids have a big argument with their mother about Ontario. This argument takes place a lot, and that is that 90% of Ontarians live in 10% of the land, and there's 90% of the land that could lower their educational fees and lower their healthcare fees and build a future that is economically good for them. And so you'd think this whole 20, you know, 15 to 25-year-old crowd that hates mining, my kids don't hate mining. They think that we should go harvest the wealth, and there are two obstacles, environment and indigenous, and those are just two obstacles that maybe the mining industry isn't that good at, but tough. Go get the money, go develop the economy, and we'll take it from there. So there's three things that, that I would like you to think about. One is if you're going to build a bridge from our global to our remote, there are three things to think about. One is get rid of the oil. It's pathetic, and I'll make, a, I'll make an argument about why it's pathetic. Two, get rid of the humans, because humans should not be doing that job. And I'm going to argue that we should put buoyancy to work. And then three is how do we share in the profits? There will be massive profits. It's a matter of what kind of a deal do you strike with that 90% of the territory that has 10% of the people. There's a big history. Diane Francis is quite, she's from Chicago, so she's pretty good at talking about this because she's not from Canada. And she talks about all the public good that comes from mining. And it's something that probably the mining industry is not very good at talking about. Otherwise, there wouldn't be a brand problem. When Apple says they're going to recycle something, there's a, the, the, the brand swings. So what we are going to, what I'm going to try and present to you today is how do we unlock remote areas? And so what's wrong with airships? Why do they suck? I mean, if you think that the mining brand has a little bit of an issue. Talk about airships around people, because airships suck. They're older than bicycles. Where are they? Well, airships have problems. If you can lift 50 tons and move 50 tons, you have 50 tons in motion. That's a lot of momentum. If you did that with a large ship on water and you didn't park it properly at a dock, you'd smash the shit out of everything and everybody would blame you. That's what airships do. They're incredibly powerful machines. They're hard to land. If you fill them with gasoline or some kind of liquid you intend to burn, they start out lighter than air. You've got cargo, and then you're going to drop a lot. You're going to burn away a lot of that heavy liquid. They don't behave well when they get to their destination at all. They're extremely expensive to try and tame, and they're very disobedient. And helium is a really bad invention in a remote area. It's one of the most headache-filled things. So the real thing about airships is not about technology, it's about psychology. And that's back to the risk of psychology. And the technology exists, that's not in question. So there are a lot of smart people in the room here, there are a lot of smart people around the world. It is not in question that the technology can work. The psychology of change is what's at issue. That's the only problem. And so this is a typical graph that you would see from all kinds of people about the transport capability gap. Anybody talking airships, anybody talking about anything. Von Karman proved the laws of physics. If you don't put some float in it, it's going to be expensive to move in. And who should do this better than us? Eh, probably Africa, because they got, you know, they got bullets, but they don't have very harsh winds. So, and they're kind of open-minded. So back to breaking rules. If you want to break rules, there's nothing more obedient than Canada on planet Earth. So you'd go to Africa and you break some rules there, because definitely you're going to have to break some rules. So let's just go through pain point number one. 
Oil is extremely heavy. It's a heavy liquid. If, if I asked you to go down and, and, and put water on your head down at, the, down, at the, down at the lake, put water on your head and bring enough back to have the consumption that you need today, just to get through the day with a shower and some tea and whatever, you couldn't do it. You couldn't lift it. You can't lift heavy liquids way far away and bring them into remote areas and stay cheap. You can't do it. Seven pounds a gallon can't do it. But people do it all the time. That's, that, that's an addiction. You know, if anybody's ever done an, uh, an intervention on alcoholics, that, that, you know, the big strong alcoholic, that's an addiction that's hard to do. That kind of intervention's hard to do. So it's an extremely inefficient thing. And the laws of physics don't lie there. If you take a mine 500 kilometers away from a port, which is globally connected, and let's say you run it for 30 years. Now obviously mines are different sizes and different things, but this is just an example. You can save a billion dollars on the payload cost. This is not the cost of buying the diesel, this is just the cost of transporting the diesel in there from a global port. So at a certain point, capitalism preys on inefficiency, and oil is an inefficiency that is gonna get preyed on. And we like to think of ourselves as predators who are healthy for the ecosystem. So the second thing that's really bad is humans. Humans cannot do this, and there are many, many people who will talk to you about automation and that kind of thing. But if you put a lot of lift and you make it go forward and you can obediently land this thing and get COD, cash on delivery, you need to do it with robots, not humans. Humans can't do it. So when you automate a remote area, what we would say is you would take two balls. So, so Donald Trump doesn't have a wall on the American border with Mexico. He has 13 aerostats and they're $30 million balloons. But that's what governs America and Mexico. These are old technologies. You can put an airship on a rope, and you can offer the Internet of Things. When you have the Internet of Things, you can do electric things that talk to the Internet, they talk to each other, and there are all sorts of proven technologies out there. None of this is new. But if you assemble it and you build a bridge into a remote area, that's a different economic model. It's not really a revolutionary. No one piece of technology is not old and proven. So we build electric airships. We build them round. We build them hybrid. And we, uh, as the introduction said, thank you, Anthony, um, solar's great for Africa. Solar's great for about four months a year here. And then you got to what? After that, what do you do? So we've had to get over ourselves on solar. We've kept the name. It's a nice name, we think. But, uh, but you really, it's just A to B into a remote area. How do you build the bridge? So this is a thing that set a lot of records in the world. It got us into electric. There's no real cheating. Like, there's a cultural problem with combustion people. And my dad grew up in the car racing business. I was around people who were geniuses at making combustion things all the time. So they don't like electrics. They don't like them. It, you're going to cut out all the stuff they like, and you're going to wean yourself onto it. You can't go into a combustion hangar in Pickle Lake and just, uh, we're just going to add some batteries. And No, it's a totally different culture. Everything about a remote operating base from main operating base to forward is completely different. You, so you are in a cultural war with these people, and you better be someone who likes war because you will not get through this with polititudes. You're threatening their existence. This is predator and prey. Just for clarity, electric is predator, combustion is prey. So then you have round things. So these, these things are equal everywhere. They're extremely easy to control. There are millions of hours of control systems on this. It's extremely safe. They're slow. In a windy place, they're slow. But if you need to bring a big thing into a remote area, this is really easy. And, and there's no technical argument. Anybody that wants to get into an argument about the technology, please don't. You'll embarrass yourself. So the Internet of Things means that the things are talking to the Internet. You're getting rid of the humans, you're putting the robots in, and then you're getting rid of the fossil fuel because it's a stupid thing to lift really heavy liquids and carry them all the way in. 
So if you wanted to build a bridge, you could, you could string up. These things go up at twice the size of the CN Tower. They're very common. They've been, in, they've been in business for 40 years. They've been in Afghanistan, Iraq. They're really common things. And we build them super cheap. So then you have the internet, and you can enable these things to go forward. The real breakthrough is, how do you make a really large electric drone? Well, helium is not combustible, and hydrogen is flammable combustible. Guess what else is flammable combustible? If you talk to the FAA in, and, you know, regulation. So regulation's a big thing. People are always afraid of regulation. If you go to obedience school, you should be afraid of regulation because you don't want to break the rules. If you've been kicked out of enough schools, then that's okay. You don't mind breaking the rules because you will have to break the rules. People who are in charge of regulation have two things. Is it safe? Is it in the public's interest? You must demonstrate you must spend a lot of money demonstrating it's safe to the equivalent of something else, like a Cessna 172 that puts flammable gas in its wings. You would never get that through FAA today. That's what the FAA says. There's no way you would put flammable gas in wings today and get it through. So hydrogen is a lifting gas. Hydrogen is a propulsion gas. There is no getting away from it. I'm happy to debate this, but the debate is kind of ridiculous if you listen to the previous speakers. A debate with people who are really good at what they do doesn't get you the new thing. You need to demonstrate it. So the real deal is, how do I take all the risk and share the rewards with you? That way there's no risk for you. That's a good thing. So IoT enables large electric drones to go from global port to remote. And there's a lot of inefficiency in between. So automation means job losses, which is kind of good for us. Like if someone's blocking a road to your mind, that's good for us. Because if you don't have a headache, why do you need my Tylenol force? I should be encouraging more protests. I should be arming militias in eastern Congo and block your road. That would be good for me. So jobs disappear, communities get upset, and what can capitalism do? Well, capitalism, you know, this is, it's this weird thing that you get shares in capitalism. Isn't it like I, I share with you. I'll give you a share. If we can massively produce profits with you, shouldn't we get local communities to participate in capitalism? It's not a bad invention. You can redistribute a lot of things. You can build hospitals and schools and venture capital funds and all kinds of things. So it's important for an industry that's good at one thing to do that thing. Don't try to convince me that you're going to tell my 16 or 18-year-old that you're smarter than him on how to deal with indigenous communities on the next generation of new tech stuff. It's very unlikely psychologically you are good at that. Very likely you could coach them on a new thing, but very likely, unlikely you're the dot-com king in the next thing that happens. So, an IoT bridge, that's the way one, one way to look at it. 500 kilometers, 1,000 kilometers, it's just a bridge. You get rid of the fossil fuels, you get rid of the humans, you float things in under control. There are an awful lot of reasons why this thing can be controlled. Capitalism preys on inefficiency. And right now, I think that while mining has built Canada, mining is, is threatened and previous speakers have talked about it. Mining is threatened because it is extremely inefficient. The razor thin profits and very sensitive to markets. If you could find a way, if I can find a way to get you 50 cents on the dollar to build a bridge in, then, and I de-risk it for you, I take away all the risk, you should, some people should be curious. Some people should want to take that baby step of risk. So what we are doing in three parts of northern Canada, and Africa is a much friendlier place for us to start. If you want to break rules, it's a much friendlier place to start. But Canada, we're looking at three different places, and if, you are, if you're in that mentality that can take a risk, if I de-risk it for you, then I'm happy to talk to you. I'm happy to take questions now. Thank you.